baseline smooth. Welcome back. Crypto Parabellum Podcast, episode number five. And we're back to two hosts. Joel had something pop up, couldn't make it this morning. He'll be back next week, assuming something else doesn't happen. But we're here. Alan, we made it. Episode five. How are you, man? I'm doing well. We're halfway through the week. It's been a very, very busy week. Uh, a lot going on in, in our world. Um, so we're going to miss Joel, but we'll see him next week. Yeah, no doubt. You know, I'm, I think this is going to be an interesting uh, podcast because there's two, maybe even three. I might add another one in because it's kind of related to the first one. But there's three things I want to talk about that I think are relevant. First one, I was sent from a friend, also a listener. He enjoys the show. He always gives me notes, which uh, he was uh, somebody who reached out to me and said, hey, last week was pretty good. Um, It was more like tangent based, I think was what he said. He's like, it was, you know, a little bit different than your other ones, but it was like three guys sitting around in a bar drinking beers, talking about crypto. And I was like, yeah, all right, Um, we'll go with that. But he is plugged into the tax world. And so we're going to talk about. I feel sorry uh, for him, actually. (laughs) He's honestly one of the smartest people uh, I've met. Uh, who in, in any realm, but certainly in this, like just great command of it. Uh, but he sent me an article that's titled IRS looks to root out crypto tax dodgers with John Doe filing. So we're going to talk about that and some of the implications there, the history, what that is. The other big thing that came out was um, FTX had their financials leaked and we're going to go through those, give you a whole different appreciation for exactly what that means. Um, and then the thing that I might shoehorn in here is I'm not sure if you saw this. This is kind of late breaking. I added it to our show notes late. Did you see Mark Cuban going after Gensler? No. Oh man. Yeah. So we'll talk about that too. So Mark Cuban slams SEC chair Gensler stance on crypto. And I was like, Ooh, okay. sweet. All right. So that was pretty good. So, um, I thought, John I thought, summons. Yeah, go ahead. I thought Mark Cuban was done with crypto after getting rucked. You remember he was like the big crypto guy for like three weeks and he's like DeFi. i love DeFi. it's the future i'm making all these investments i bought eth i bought and then he just named a bunch of shit coins and then he got rugged and he's like actually yeah. crypto sucks yeah. <laughs> he got he got right actually i know a couple people that got absolutely demolished on anubis that's what he got uh rugged on okay and that was it wasn't so much a rug as it was there was a you know protocol error and everything was gone oh okay. and okay. it's gone it's gone yeah uh, <laughs> All right. So John Doe summons, I saw, you know, he sent me this article, my buddy, I'm not going to name him, but uh, he sent me this article. And at first I went, John Doe summons. When's the last time I heard that? When's the first time John Doe summons appeared on your radar? Alan? The first time it appeared on my radar was in relation to Coinbase. I want to say it was 2018, late 2017, mm-hmm. some, sometime around there. Um, and I, from, from my memory, the IRS went to Coinbase and said, Hey, we want, the personal information of everyone who has transacted on your platform, like this year, the last three years, I'm not sure how this, that typically works. And Coinbase was like, whoa, 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 we're, we're going to fight this. Um, and at the yeah. time, Coinbase probably was the best suited to fight this, fight something like that. I think they That's did a pretty good job. Um, they, <laughs> yeah, they, they might be. They probably did the best job that they could have. I think what ended up happening was that they protected anyone who traded less than 20,000 or transaction less than $20,000 worth on Coinbase, but they did have to provide the information of anyone who transacted over $20,000 worth. Yeah. And you know what? If you're using a US exchange, I think you need to be prepared for something like this. Do not dodge your taxes on US yeah. exchanges. It's silly. It's futile. That company has a reporting requirement. 
Um, now, especially if the IRS is coming at most of them or all of them uh, with with these summons, um, you're going to get find out found out. So yeah. just don't don't mess with it. Yeah, I agree. It's an interesting tool. Um, and I'm going to give a little bit of background because you're right. It was 2017, 18 that Coinbase kind of made headlines. They did a good job fighting it, but the John Doe summons is specifically an IRS tool. Okay. So it's specifically for the IRS. You can't like, you know, if there were some civil action or some, something, you can't just do this, but a John Doe summons is an IRS summons authorized by list the IRS code. Um, where it does not list the name of a taxpayer under investigation because the taxpayer is unknown to the IRS. So it's essentially like a discovery summons, if you will, um, to say, we want to know who's on your site. And there's been some lawsuits around this, which has been interesting because usually how this stuff works is you know who you're going after, right? Like uh, they look at how much money you spend. Okay, if Jared was making 100 grand a year for six years and then all of a sudden... He spent a half a million dollars in a year, but his reporting requirement didn't change. I can very easily go to banks and be like, give me everything you have on Jared Phillips. Like that's a specific inquiry into me, right? Okay. And this is just a blanket, like, hey, give me everything you got. Um, and the background of this goes back to, I think, 2008. Uh, yeah, 2008. So they used it to crack a Swiss banking secrecy law. Where okay. the IRS said, if you want to play ball with us, you're going to comply to this summons. And they had Swiss banks were supposed to be the place where you can just stash money and not care about it, I guess. Um, had, they gave over 4,500 names of people to the IRS that were essentially hiding money there. So that's where it started. And it was just Swiss banks. They had their like veil of secrecy. Everybody knows that. You kind of have, you hear about that shit in like, heist movies like oh, so it's, yeah. yeah i wonder <laughs> i wonder how actually true that is I, I don't have any experience but i wonder if, if that's just like is that a, just like a wife's tale i don't think so i mean they've done such a good job being isolationist during any like conflicts i think it's maybe it's maybe it's not i think it's just more that they have shown through world conflict that like they will do everything they can to protect your money. And so everyone just kind of has this agreement where Except they're like, for this John Doe summons apparently. Yeah. We'll not fuck around with that. But like, that's the thing. That's why the U S can compel foreign entities to do shit. Cause it's like, Hey, we'll turn off your ability to transact with us in the ways that you do on the up and up. If you okay. don't comply with this. And so they did. Um, anyway, they've done it a few times. They've done it with a few Swiss banks. They did it in 2017 with Coinbase. Um, in researching this to talk about it, Kraken got hit with one of these with similar guidelines of Coinbase. Oh, it was actually, um, I don't know how long Kraken has been around, but it, there was like a four year window that they had that yeah. anybody who transacted $20,000 over a four year period, they had to divulge their information and they did. Okay. So there's a couple points to this, which I think are interesting and just funny. The, the name of this initiative by the IRS is called Operation Hidden Treasure, okay? Operation Hidden Treasure. So the IRS is going, there's a pot of gold out there that we can tap into. Let's go find it. And it was announced in May of 2021 that they were going to focus explicitly on crypto. Um, and we hadn't really heard much since then. This, this, the actual exchange, I don't really know it, to be honest with you. It was uh, Ox Labs Inc. Uh, and its subsidiary, collectively S Fox. Don't really know it. No, okay? I... I had not heard of it, but when I looked into it, it looked like it was more like uh, institutional um, smart order routing. So 
the the really i mean i i could be wrong no nah, not not i'm nervous that i'm wrong but um yeah it's yeah you know, it's a it's a full service crypto prime dealer for institutional investors providing liquidity security and infrastructure needed to unlock the full potential blah, 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 blah. like wow 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 okay I, I i that's interesting to me because my guess is the average individual is not using s i'd never even heard of it yeah, I mean, neither had I. And there was there was two other parts about the article, the follow up article that I I read about this because um, one, it's weird if it's routing and like actually something a little bit different than what we initially thought. We need to dig into that. But um, there's two parts about this that are interesting from a John Doe summons perspective. The first one is um, it has to be approved by a federal judge. Usually, the IRS can actually like some you know give a summons to any institution. And say, give us this. And they have to prove probable cause, which they do. They're not stupid. Um, and and they don't have to ask anyone's permission. They do. They had to get a, a federal judge of the Southern District of New York to approve this. And so you go, all right, well, the federal judges are going, yeah, fine, go for it. Let's 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 give it a run. Um, and then the other part of this that I found interesting was everyone thinks, no, okay, not everyone, but let me set, take a step back. There's a statute of limitations on getting audited, right? Everyone kind of knows, like, you make it seven years, five. man. Oh, I thought it was five. Yeah, nah. It's six. It's six, six. but it's like okay. a seventh reporting year. So anyway, if at any point a John Doe summons is given to someone that you transact with until they comply with the summons. So if I, let's say they give it today and it takes Kraken two years to comply. The statute on that time is added. So you may think, oh man, I'm six years, I'm good. No, it's actually eight years now. So they can go back. If this was in motion, it extends the statute for how long you can be audited, which to me is interesting because now are they going to start firing these things out? They showed everyone, right? Yeah, that's right. And and maybe they will. I mean, we're we're becoming more and more of a, um, I mean, just like a authoritarian uh, state, but the 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 thing about taxes, and I don't want to go off on a tangent here, is like usually the IRS knows exactly how much money you make and exactly how much you need to pay, and they just want to make sure you're reporting it correctly, right? It's stupid. It's stupid. Like there's a multi-billion trillion dollar industry that is based off of us being like, we know how much you should <laughs> give us, but we're gonna make sure you get it right. And fuck you, and we're gonna give you fines if you don't. Uh, and this isn't that because this a lot of these are foreign held and like these ones obviously aren't but um there's some weird things in here so so what are your thoughts on the implications of this i don't know i i am one to suggest that any anything you're doing on a u.s exchange just report it because mm-hmm. th- this is inevitable um right. i would start to just wonder if you issued a John Doe summons to everyone, let's say you yeah. issued one to, I'll use Binance as an example, sure. because if they issued one to a Swiss bank account or a Swiss bank, they can also issue one to Binance, right? You don't have to be a U.S. company. Correct. Um, what would Binance turn over? A bunch of emails? Like, because the old days are, were different than they are today. So the right. old days, I think you just put in an email. So the IRS has an email? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know how all this would work. I, I, I don't know enough about crypto taxes. I personally, my, my, like what I do for myself is I pay a ton of money every year 
to a firm that claims to be an expert when it comes to crypto taxes. I go to every exchange that I use. I download my trade history. I give it to them. They go through that and they come back with a number. So to be honest, I don't have a lot of experience. I don't know. I just get the yeah. number. I pay, I write the check and I send it off. I do understand people's concern because even with all of that, I still get personally nervous that yeah. like someone is doing something wrong. Either I am like missing some information completely accidentally or they're interpreting information wrong or they're just doing it wrong. And ultimately right. you have the liability as, as the, the taxpayer. And so I try to do my best, but it it's, it's scary. If, I don't know, crypto exchanges now are getting much better about their reporting. Usually most of them can just issue you documents just like your traditional uh, brokerage yeah. accounts. And it's yeah. pretty easy. But 2017, they didn't have that stuff yet. So if an audit did happen or if a John Doe summons did hit, hit, let's say Coinbase and they can't protect and it goes back all these years, I don't, I don't even think Coinbase provided enough information to do it completely accurately in 16, 17. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, it's scary. I, I'd imagine not, right? In uh, in the thing about this, in the reason why people are annoyed, and this kind of goes into that other, uh, I mean, it's not IRS, it's SEC, but th there's such a lack of clarity on rules and what we should be doing. Um, you hear Bitcoin's max, Bitcoin max, you talk about how Bitcoin isn't, you know, a security, it's a store of value, it's an asset, it's property. I mean, there's all sorts of philosophical differences in how, or, or you know, conversations around what these things are and are not. Um, I think that in my heart of hearts, and I, I'd welcome any feedback from those who know better than I do, if you show a method for how you're doing your taxes, and within the best of your ability, you show that you did what you felt to be true and you were consistent. I don't think you're going to catch a ton of crap for that. You may have to pay additional taxes. Those additional taxes probably have an interest rate on them. So you're going to pay them even more than you initially owed. Uh, but I find it hard to believe they would go, hell, Alan, remember this transaction that you had on Barachain? And I'll say no. I literally have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. <laughs> right, right. Well, you son of a bitch, you're going to jail. Or like, here's a fine or whatever it is. Like, I can't imagine that being the case. And and for several reasons, not the least of which is something we're going to talk about in a little bit with FTX. Like, this is not going anywhere. And it's going to behoove everybody for the SEC, the IRS, and the crypto industry to get on the same page. And you can't just be, you know, throwing elbows and, and, and trying to break shit up because, you know, you never give us rules to begin with. So... I don't know. I know that a lot of people spend a lot of money on this, trying to do the right thing. And it, it, what's interesting, and, and I mentioned it when you and I were talking earlier, um, there's some lawsuits on this. And I, I don't know how I feel about that, right? Like you're you're not going after a specific person. You're just saying, give me your entire uh, list of clients. And that bothers me, right? Like I, whether you're doing something right or wrong, that bothers me off. Just like we're going to see what's there and start diving into stuff. Yeah, I, uh, I can understand yeah. that. I would have a hard time arguing against that. I mean, um, <laughs> America was literally started by a group of people who didn't want to pay taxes. Like, yeah. if you boil it down to that, um, okay. like, Americans do not like taxes. And so I don't think, you know, things like the Inflation Reduction Act, which is such a silly name for it, and funding yeah. the IRS, I don't know that that's an overly popular um 
stance, though I, w- I do think you start to see like the left thinking that the rich don't pay their taxes. And I just disagree with that. It's stupid. If, if you take that money or, or those additional IRS um, agents uh, yeah. and you apply them sort of across the board, I bet you will find more tax cheats under 400K than you'll find tax cheats over 400K. Um, No one is doing their taxes themselves over 400K, okay? You do not sit down and like fill out your your form. You don't use TurboTax. Like you're going and you're spending a lot of money, like $5,000 plus minimum. Over $10,000 is like very, very common per year to have someone else do your taxes. You do not find tax cheats. Now- there are loopholes in the system that exist for a reason. And and when I, I don't even know, it's fair to call them loopholes. They but were, loopholes are, well, they loopholes were, aren't illegal. They're well, not illegal. They They're were just, created yeah. for a reason, right? So like <laughs> right. You, you say, oh, all these corporations aren't paying taxes. Um, they're, they're just reinvesting. And, and like that is in the tax code for a reason, because at some point, I don't, I don't know who someone decided that, Hey, we want companies to reinvest instead of paying tax now or recognizing revenue now they'll want to build a new building. They'll want to yeah. hire an additional 10,000 people. And and so adding this giant tax force, whether it's focused on crypto or additional audits or whatever, you oh, are not yeah. going to find, of course, it will be the one-off, right? As a, in, as a general rule, you will not find rich tax cheats. The people right. that are cheating on their taxes, usually it's accidental and it's going to be under 400K and and you're hurting the wrong people. It right. just it's weird. It, it's funny to me. And by the way, the the initial one that I talked about in Switzerland uh, was UBS. So like everybody knows UBS. Mm-hmm. So they were the ones who initially got the John Doe summons. I was just reading in the in the footnotes. Um, the statute of limitations was extended by two years for all those UBS people. And like those were the rich ones, right? Those would be the ones that probably would have been doing something. Like, I don't know about you, Alan. I've never looked into Swiss banking. No, me either. <laughs> like, I'm just not on that level, man. So like 4,500 people had them and it, they got two years extended on that. So I'll be curious to see if they just start spamming these things out um, and, and actually, you know, trying to uh, just flush out as much as they can. I just hate the idea. Like, look, if you're in this for the right reasons, doing it the right way, you pay your taxes. I had a guy message me on Telegram freaking out because i posted this article in the, the telegram room and he was like who do you use i got like i don't try oh my god like having a freak out about this he's like i try i don't not screwing around on this like how do you report stuff on secret chain it's a secret chain like how do i get that stuff off and it was just like crazy to think that like that level of anxiety off of an article but like people i think generally want to do well there's always scumbags man you know what there's scumbags and everything yeah, I mean, nobody, nobody Same, wants yeah. to go to jail. I mean, I, yeah. I think, I, I don't know. There, there's no easy solution, right? Like maybe some of this pressure um, is, is just that. It's just pressure yeah. to be like, hey, we're there. We're looking. We're going we're gonna to find out. So make sure you just pay it. I agree. Uh, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. And, and by the way, anecdotally, the Coinbase won. Coinbase finally fought it, did well. And it looks like based on every article I'm seeing, it is like over $20,000 in transaction is kind of where they draw the line everywhere. Now, even Kraken's was like that. Mm. This one as well with S box or socks or whatever. S box. Yeah. S box, whatever they do. Again, it's people over 20,000. So it sounds like Coinbase fought that battle and that's kind of what they're using now, which is how the government works. Give us one thing. We'll go with it. How much do you think Coinbase got? (laughs) Well, 
<laughs> or the IRS got from those Coinbase summons? Um, it's probably not that much. My guess is that it's not that large. Like the, the number is probably small. Okay. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I think it is small. But from what we talked about initially with that John Doe summons from IRS and Coinbase and Coinbase saying, yes, we'll turn over anybody who's transacted over $20,000. Yeah. The IRS got an additional $17.5 million in tax, tax revenue. Yeah, that's small. I, it I, is small. I, but, I think that's but small. But it's funny because it, 2017, how many people were using Coinbase, Alan? I don't know. Uh, I mean, millions. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So so the thing... I, that's probably a win for the IRS. Like how much man hours did they spend fighting for a John Doe summons? They didn't spend $17 million and yeah. then they found $17 million of new revenue. Like the IRS is a business just like anything else. Uh, it, it, you know, it, it that, that's probably a good play for them. So it's just like that. The SEC is basically a business too. They're there to protect, but they need to hit a certain number of settlements a year, like for, for that revenue so that they can run the next year. It's yeah. where's an easy target. What can we do? Minimal effort for maximum return. They sent a John Doe summons. Maybe they spent a million bucks worth of people's time fighting it. Yeah. They got 17 in return. Yeah. That's a good investment. That's a win. Somebody got bonus to that year. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, anything, I think, anything else to add on the John Doe summons, uh, or you want to move on to it? I'd say if, if you are someone that's listening and concerned about this, the easiest thing you can do going forward is try to keep all of your crypto transactions to one place. So I know this is hard to do, but, um, let's say it's Coinbase or it's FTX go from your bank account to that exchange, stay in that exchange, trade, do whatever you think you, you, you know, you, you do whatever you can, or you, you want to do take that money right back to the bank account so that everything is enclosed inside that exchange. Where it gets really difficult is when you're like paying your friends for lunch from the exchange account and sending yeah. it to your MetaMask and funding funding this DeFi protocol and that DeFi protocol. I understand people want to do those things. Um, so do I, but ask yourself if, if it's worth the effort that you spend every single year to do your taxes in these yeah. really complicated structures. I think that's good advice. I think that's good advice. I noticed one of the exchanges you mentioned just now was FTX. That's a good segue into our next topic. Uh, I will read the headline of the article on CNBC and then kind of let you take over. But here's the headline. FTX grew revenue 1,000% during the crypto craze. Leaked financials show. This is more your realm than my own, Alan. What uh, Talk me through this. Yeah, I think it's cool that we get some visibility into these audited financials from FTX because the only exchange we've had visibility into right now, so far is Coinbase. They're public, yeah. and so we can go through their financials. Um, the question is, like, why were these financials leaked? I think there's, like, a, a couple things that that could have come from, some more likely than others. Could have been an employee that left the the company disgruntled. And, hey, I'm going to leak your information. I, I sort of don't think that that's the case. It yeah. could be that FTX is interested in raising new money, and they were sharing financials with uh, potential investors, and one of those investors leaked the information. That's possible. I think that's like the medium likelihood. Uh, the other thing is it had something to do with an acquisition. Either they were looking at doing an acquisition and they needed to prove, right, like that they could afford it or someone was like biting at them 
saying like, hey, we might be interested in acquiring you. What does the business look like? I don't know. It's probably either that they were interested in raising money. It got shared with an investor who leaked it, a potential investor, or some type of acquisition. The information was shared. But what came out of it is really interesting, at least in my perspective. Uh, you're right. FTX revenue grew 10x between 2020 and 2021 from $90 million in 2020 to $1.2 billion in 2021. That's like top line revenue. They ended 2021 with $2.5 billion in cash and they had a profit margin of 27%. I was, I expected the profit margin to be high. I would have guessed upper thirties though. Um, and yeah. the, where I would attribute that is they are spending a lot of money building an office in the Bahamas. It's going to have living quarters. Um, it's not just an office. It's like a complex of apartments for lack of a better word, condos with housing attached and it's going to have, you know, catering basketball court from what I've seen, like it's going to be a compound. The FTX compound, are you gonna go? I, I doubt I would get invited. I would go if I got invited, but I don't think I would get invited. We need to, we need to land an invite. Maybe we can do a show one day when we're huge on location. That would be cool. I mean, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm sure that like, I don't know. I, I would think that if you reached out to somebody and said, Hey, like, I want to come, they might just be like, like, why? I don't know. Don't be weird. <laughs> don't be weird. Like, I just want to see. Yeah. Oh, I just, I just want a, a tour. It's like, dude, it's, we're working here. Can you like leave yeah. us alone? That's um, true. But, but anyways, I mean, they, they spent a lot of money on that. They spent a ton of money on marketing. You have FTX arena. They spent a ton of money on, um, yeah. they had, um, also the MLB patches or sponsorships. They've been doing, uh, they did Super Bowl commercials, general commercials. There's billboards, at least all over Chicago. I don't know if they're in other major cities, but like with Sam's face, <laughs> all over his, his big hair right in the middle. Uh, <laughs> are you in type thing? So like, you know, they're spending a lot of money. Uh, I, they've done an amazing job growing that business, a 10 X in revenue at 90 millions, not easy to do. Um, and they also did it pretty smoothly. I mean, there haven't, I know there's complaints about FTX and the platform and the exchange, but in general, they 10 X without major, major outages or issues or complaints. Yeah. Pretty smooth. They have a small team. I'm always amazed by what they're able to do. I, I agree. And I like, I think FTX has done the best job of, um, of like their UI, like being a little bit more intuitive. I remember when I first logged on to Binance in 2019, I was like, what? Binance is confusing. Yeah. I mean, it really, and like even getting to, talking to support in Asia, you're like, what is going on, man? Like, how do I do? And like, you couldn't even understand. They've done a really nice job of making that more intuitive. What's interesting. What, what would you attribute that to? So like what part of it? I, I have an idea in mind. I'm going to see if it's the same thing. Well, I, I don't know if you're, if you're angling towards like being lost in translation. I just think that I have an idea about like a paradigm of what that should look like, where are my assets, what's being used as collateral, how do I exchange these things? Yep. And it should be a little bit more linear. They have like several different trading accounts you need to transfer from one to the other. You know, if you ever were thinking about using margin, there's like a, here's a margin, you put it in your margin account, doesn't mean you're using margin. You're, you're talking about Binance loan. right now. I'm talking about Binance yeah. right now. But, but like when we, so like that was all very, very weird. FTX, you go to your account page and it's like, here's what you have. 
Here's how your percent collateral being used. Here's how much you're paying in fees, which is interesting. I mean, it's done well. It's not perfect. It got a lot better. When I first started at FTX, it had its own issues. But like they've done a good job making that a lot easier to follow, I think. I, I completely um, agree. So I what yeah. I was trying to ask was what what point do you think makes Binance so much more difficult? And we had the same thing in mind. It's the multiple accounts moving margin. So what I would say to FTX's benefit is everything is margin. It's one account. Yes. Uh, now they value different assets at different like margin levels. I, I don't know the right terminology there, but if it's Bitcoin, you get 100% uh, of your value. If it's, let's say like, um, you know, shitcoin xyz that's yeah, market doge. cap is 500 they're only going to yeah. take like up to 60 percent of that because they're worried about the liquidity during like uh, liquidation so yeah, but perfect. they make it so simple and so uh, i would agree with you that is exactly why theirs is feels more intuitive and the other thing too is fees in this realm in this world are pretty hard to follow like i remember when when i was first talking like you and joel about this i was like wait so what are maker taker you know you get some reduced fees on a referral program with like bybit you can get reduced fees here and there and i think ftx has the best one ftx um has the lowest fees if you're using ftx.com if you if you buy and stake ftt which what exactly is it what do they say ftt is it's a good question i uh, i mean it's a <laughs> it's an ecosystem token maybe you could call it that um, okay. But yeah, I mean, FTT has several uses. One, it gives you a better, if, if you refer users to FTX and you have staked FTT, you get a better referral rebate. Referral rate, yeah. Um, yeah. If you are trading and have it staked, you get better fee system. And then also- Much you, better. Yeah, much better. Significantly better. In, in, yeah. So even to the point where if you're a professional trader, you're silly not to own FTT and stake it. Absolutely. If you're doing any sort of meaningful volume, especially like if you are on the institutional side and you're trading on behalf of, of others, like you can get a massive fee discount from, from using or staking FTT. Um, yeah. So and that's where most of the revenue came from, right? Like, can you give that breakdown? What's what, like, so 1.2 billion and how much of that was fees? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the entirety of it is fees. That's how they make money. But, oh, yeah, uh, two thirds of, fees. yeah, two thirds of the, the revenue, well, it's all trading fees, but the two thirds of the revenue came from futures trading. So, so two thirds of it came from futures trading, 16% came from spot trading. Um, and then like there are, so another thing that we're to justify your point, your last point, they do charge also, I guess, transaction fees on um, NFT trading for FTX US. I believe that's 5%. Um, I'm, maybe I'm wrong about that. I should probably look at it, but I believe it's 5%. FTX US only makes up 5% of their total revenue. So .com definitely carries the water for the F FTX you know, ecosystem, <laughs> org, cartel, whatever you want to call it. Like yeah. it's a big organization, but in terms of revenue, but FTX.com is doing a line share. 95% of revenue is .com. That's wild to me. And, and the thing is for FTX US, for all of their marketing efforts, I, I imagine it's grown. I don't know if they got that granular. In the it's grown a ton. Um, they, yeah. they 10X their user base and revenue as well, but it's just, it's 10X is small. Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine, I mean, look, everybody knows, well, I don't know if everybody knows, the second largest individual contributor to Joe Biden's campaign was? Sam Bankman-Fried. 
Sam. Yeah. So you can tell that he's kind of doing this the right way. They walled off FTX.us from FTX.com. Yeah, they obviously have the same advisory boards or whatever, but like not the same business. They're getting involved politically. Um, you know, the the Major League Baseball, they're doing something with football this year too. I forget what it is. Oh, are they? Um, yeah, they, they got the Tom Brady thing. They got the Steph Curry thing. They got the Serena Williams and Venus Williams and all that. Like they've done a great job of brand recognition. Imagine if the wall falls down on future trading, futures trading in the U.S. I mean, that's what they're pushing for. Um, I forget the name of the organization, but Sam went to like a roundtable maybe three months ago and was pretty aggressive there that futures trading should be allowed in the U.S. for for cryptocurrencies. Um, they acquired um, uh, the new name of the business is FTX Derivatives. Uh, yeah, FTX Derivatives. But what is what was that? Ledger X, I think. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that last week. Got it. Yeah. So uh, they made that acquisition. They're definitely pushing towards it. They want to be able to offer it. Can you imagine the juggernaut that they would be? Um, but I, what I would say to that point is their efforts will also benefit other U.S. crypto exchanges. And what I mean by that is, let's say they they lead the charge. I doubt they're going to get a license to offer um, futures trading, but... Coinbase doesn't, or but Gemini doesn't, or but Kraken yeah. doesn't. So if they are successful, everyone, every U.S. exchange sort of benefits. And then I think the biggest beneficial or beneficiary there is Coinbase. They already have the user base, 75, 80 million users, tons of assets on exchange. Like you're silly if you think that some of FTX's revenue or volume in 2021 didn't come from users who have Coinbase accounts. No doubt. And yeah. so, you know, if you can now do that on Coinbase and they're competitive with fees, like Coinbase would be a juggernaut, I think. It's yeah. it's hard to build an exchange. I think FTX might be the last ones to do it. Um, FTX, before that was Bybit, like it's hard to bootstrap an exchange. Even if you have tons of money, it's hard to find the liquidity, which then brings the volume. You know, it, it's right. tough. Plus those exchanges churn through users very, very quickly. Like, I don't know how well known this is, but the average life cycle of an exchange account is six to eight months. Right. Either they give up or they lost all their money in six to eight months on futures trading. That's that's a high burn. Yeah, but you know what? I remember when I first signed up with interactive brokers for when I, I, mean, I started trading equities and futures contracts uh, in the standard market. 10 years ago, more than that. I had to do a questionnaire. I had to sign up for, you know, yes, what's your experience on this? You know, how well do you know? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, did a questionnaire and then like, all right, uh, here you go. And gave me a huge loan, man. Like you have to deposit X amount of money, but then they gave it to you right away. So I find it interesting because you're right. Like a lot of, a lot of people crack and they lose their money. Um, but it's not like, you know, it's it's not like that's unique to crypto. I mean, it's not, it's just such bullshit to me. Well, uh, you're you're right, and it's a fair point. There will, like in in the realm of like IB or um, you know, forex exchanges, like the day trading paid groups, like for stocks and stuff like that. There will always yeah. be an audience of new eighteen to twenty four year old males who are willing to give it a try, and yep. they'll fail, and then the next 
the next uh, generation of people go through the the age gates of 18 to 24 male. Like that is just, that is the trading audience. Uh, And after you tend to age out of 24, you're either successful or you're like, this is dumb. I was done. I'm going to move on with my life. Um, There will always be a new 18 year old male to, to market to. Um, so there's an audience. The cycle continues. continues. Yeah. Um, yeah, a hundred percent. I, you know, this, this is going to be interesting to see how this moves. I think the consumer protectionism stuff is all bullshit, but they, it's how they're going to play it. And we just all have to smile and go, Oh, sure. Um, that's why we're doing it to protect us. No, you want to get paid, man. You want fees. You want these people to play under your rules. And a lot of the major ones aren't based in the U S for a reason. And they don't need you. It's interesting because the, the rails are being built to avoid centralized finance and they're trying to reach their centralized finance fingers in to regulate it. And it's not going to be something that is going to resolve overnight. But the reason why the name of this podcast is Crypto Parabellum, because Parabellum means prepare for war. This will not go easily eventually because at some point, if crypto reaches its fruition on what it's, what it's trying to be, um, it's going to be a head-on collision with traditional finance in these types of markets. Not that they can't coexist, but any sort of coexistence starts with a little bit of relinquishing of control of the traditional financial system. Wouldn't you agree? I, I would agree, though I would say the it's a little bit of theater, I think. I think the, the crypto space in general has a little bit of... of um, rebellion theater going on right now like oh these DeFi protocols they can't be touched well tornado cash was and look what happened to tornado cash in what a matter of a week everyone said oh we're not touching that anymore so don't kid yourselves this is this is rebellion theater the majority of the industry and the majority of the businesses that operate inside the u.s at minimum will bend the first chance that they have to because of what's at stake no one wants to go to jail Okay. Yeah. No one wants to go to jail. And the first time the SEC, the IRS comes sniffing around and, or, or, um, or, uh, the, you know, you end up on a sanctions list or something like that. It's not a game that you want to play. And you very quickly say, you know what, how important is this actually to me? Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I would say it's theater. You're probably right. You're probably right. And that actually is a decent segue into like my, my final little add on topic here. Um, and that is Mark Cuban slams SEC chair Gensler stance on crypto. This came out yesterday. Um, there was something that Gary Gensler said that was like, you know, there's no reason to treat the crypto market any differently than any other capital market just because he uses a different technology. My advice to you is to like come in and talk to us and set up ways to communicate so we can be on the same page. And Mark quote retweets him and says, come in and talk to who set up an appointment. How are you using Calendly these days? Like since you <laughs> <a> under- <laughs> plug for Calendly, funny story, Calendly, uh, I ended up being a very early user of Calendly at my, my old, my old work and my old job. And my, uh, sales leader at my old company is now the chief revenue officer at Calendly. So shout yeah, out, shout hilarious. out to Kate Allring. There you go, man. Yeah, they got a nice little uh, a nice little pump for for nothing from Mark. Yeah. And so he says, since you understand crypto lending and finances so well, why don't you just publish bright uh, line guidelines you would like to see and open it up for comments? Uh, and then like he, he said something back along the lines of, you know, the spirit of the law 
uh, is about protecting investors. Our rigorous enforcement regime at the SEC Gov is about following the facts and the law, whatever they may lead on the behalf of investors and working families. And again, Mark goes off. <laughs> this is such bullshit. You didn't start this bullshit. Please don't continue it. If you were working on behalf of investors, you'd make it easy for questions by investors and business people to be asked and answered, but you don't. You make it near impossible. Those can't afford lawyers can only, those who can't afford lawyers can only guess. And it's interesting because that's literally the sum of like our entire conversation today. It's like, well, we're going to do what we think we know. Uh, and, and we don't fucking know. And then later on, they might be like, ah, gotcha, bitch. Yeah. Right? I, Mark Cuban has a storied history with SEC um, where he was under investigation probably 10 years ago now. And he was yeah. like, this is bullshit. I'm going to fight it. And um, he has had a vendetta sort of like ever since that if you have the money, it, it's it's an unfair system. If you have the money, you can fight it. Um, some of you did nothing wrong, of course. Um, yeah. And if you don't, you just, you have to bend the knee. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a, it's such a weird, you know, people talk about on unequal treatment between the rich and the poor. Uh, and this is, I think really where it shines more than anything else. Same thing. I mean, the criminal justice system too, not just like, uh, these sorts of things, you know, you can afford, you get a DUI and you can afford a lawyer. You can usually get away scot-free on a first infringement. If not, you're going to jail, man, or you're having a huge fine or get your license suspended. Like it's such different uh, universes that exist between the rich and the poor. It makes me sick, man. Yeah, I would agree. That part sucks. It makes me sick. Um, there was one other point I, I was going to make. I forget what it was. Oh, um, I think you made a really solid point. Not a lot of people are going to um, maybe necessarily know what we're talking about, but, but can you tell us who Alameda Research is? Yeah, so Alameda Research was founded by SBF. It's a prop trading firm. I think is probably the, the right word for it. Um, it existed prior to FTX. So um, they were just trading, right? Uh, that was their intention. They sort of got started with um, with regional arbitrage. So they there was a time in 2017, and actually this is a story for another day, but I tried to do the same thing. Uh, I did not do it successfully. Sam did. Um, what he was doing was buying Bitcoin, let's say for $18,000 in the US and selling it on an Korean exchange for $22,000. And then the hard part about doing that is that that's easy. You buy it, you, you can easily set up a, a US exchange, you can buy it for $18,000, you can send it to your Korean exchange. The problem is Hell, yeah. how do you bring the money back to the US to start that cycle again? And that's right. what, what's, what Alameda figured out. Um, and I did not. But um, that's how 3AC started too. That's how when oh, 3AC really? okay. got kicked out when 3AC got kicked out of the forex land because they pissed off all the bankers. That's what they started doing. Yeah, I mean it was very obvious in there for a while in 2017, like 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 six months maybe. And so that's how they got started. Then obviously they did really well. They have a trading background, so they became a shop prop, prop trading firm. When they started FTX, they continued to be associated via Sam. Um, then more recently, maybe a year and a half ago, Sam sort of moved away from that. Passed it to a different Sam, by the way, which is confusing, but different Sam. Um, and so it's sort of like uh, very closely aligned or associated with FTX often. And the rumor was whenever you traded on FTX, you were trading against the market at large, but really you were trading against Alameda. Yeah. Right? I mean, that was the common, that was the, 
Yeah, that was the common, I don't know, accusation. But I mean, when you look at the financials that got leaked, now we have proof that Alameda is 6% of the volume on FTX. So I, I would say that is much less than what most people expected. And oh, so yeah. now if you want to be accurate, you're trading against Alameda 6% of the time. <laughs> and, and in an earlier conversation, which uh, was not recording accurately, um, Alan had me guess. And I thought it was going to be closer to like 30 or 40%. Because yeah. I think that's, that's kind of what, if you were to just ask like Joe C tier that actually trades, I think that would be about the average about the idea, right? Yeah. I mean, people have always accused them of, you know, oh, it's all, it's all Alameda. It's, it's just a giant order book with Alameda on the other side. It's, it's not accurate. <laughs> These are audited financials. 6% of the volume was, was Alameda. So I think that's, that's a win for FTX. If, I mean, they can be upset that these financials got leaked. It just made you look good. You 10x your revenue. You yeah. have all this cash. You put to bed the concerns that Alameda is doing all the volume on FTX. Like maybe you're a little bit embarrassed that FTX US is only 5%. But even then, right. if, if you felt bad about that, you can arguably say like, it's a hard market to gain market share in. We're spending a lot of money that's going to uh, that's gonna have a return three years down the road. Um, yeah. You know, we, and on top of that, we 10 X FTX us users, revenue right. volume. And so like, we're on a good path. It's just earlier than the rest of the business. So there's nothing yeah. to be embarrassed about. Again, they've done a great job. You have to applaud the business that they've built. It's, it's massive. Can I ask one last question before we get out of here? Yeah. Is there any benefit to FTX? eventually becoming publicly traded yeah i mean sam gets liquidity <laughs> that's a pretty good benefit um but that, that'd be it right because essentially he owns a ton of of like a value that he'd have to raise sell you know divest out of yeah, i mean i think uh, the, if you wanted to right really the only reason that you go public is because you think you've hit the the max valuation you can get in the private markets otherwise what's the point uh, you know you're looking for liquidity now as like a founding team or something like that um i don't know i i don't know i'd have to think about that more and address it maybe on like a, a future future episode but i think that they wouldn't rule it out but so much of their business is done overseas that yeah. it would bring more right now it would bring more scrutiny than it's worth Absolutely. That, that's kind of where my brain went, even as I was formulating the question. But I figure like shit like this doesn't get leaked very often. You no, know, we've never I mean, seen it. Even, but like you even talked about, they have a fairly small group of people. So it, I'm sure it's not easy. It's not going to be hard to figure out uh, roughly where this came from. And if they wanted to stop it, could they have? Could they have been more protective about it? I doubt they did, because, yeah, it just makes, makes them look like badasses. And, like, yeah. there's no doubt in my mind. Like, Sam's 30 fucking years old, dude. I'm 37, okay? He's 30 years old. 20 years from now, where are we going to be when he's 50? I mean, like, I can't envision a way that they don't continue multiples of what they've already done. Yeah, I, I think... Was FTX's latest round at forty billion dollar valuation or a thirty? I, I can't remember. I thought, Somewhere I thought it was forty, for, but okay. I mean, at that point, they're worth they're worth more than Coinbase. Coinbase on public markets is twenty five, twenty. I, I don't know. It just had a recent pump, but it, it's not huge. Um, and so, 
you might look at the market and be like, ooh, I don't want to get spanked like Coinbase did. It's better to be private right now. Uh, market cap of Coinbase, $16.43 billion. Okay. Yeah. So even if it was 30 even if it was 20 still bigger than Coinbase. Yeah, by market cap. Um, by market cap, yeah. So what? what why? Why would you want to go public just to get your share spanked most likely? Yeah. I mean, I guess that that'll be the key, right? Okay. Like, but, uh, oh, I have yeah, a giant, I, I have to correct myself. Okay. The major difference, FTX was profitable. Coinbase is not profitable. You're going to, that's fucked up, man. How the fuck are they not profitable? Way too many people. Yeah. Coinbase has, oh my Coinbase, God. man, I, mean, I don't want to, I don't want to get this wrong, but I believe Coinbase was targeting 4,000 employees and they like pulled it back or something like that. So let's say they have 2000. I think they have more than that. FTX has 2021 number of employees, 3,730. That was in 2021. Obviously there's been some changes. They cut 30% of that. So, okay. so it's, it's over 3000 FTX probably between, if I had to make a really, uh, educated yeah. guess, I would sure. say a hundred for us and not, not including like support, um, like contractor type stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I bet a hundred for us and i would guess at max 200 for com but i bet it's lower than that i'm overestimating so, both of those so probably less than 10 percent of the staff of coinbase yeah. and they're doing significantly better business yeah i mean yeah that's they're gonna eat coinbase's lunch the, they're so efficient i just i wish um i wish there was like their handbook of how they hire and they could just you know, replicate that. It, I don't, I don't know how they do it. It's, it's, I think you, I mean, you hire the smartest people. I bet they don't, you know what I bet they don't do? I bet they don't haggle over starting salaries. I bet they find good people and they make it incentive based and they just say, look, come work with some of the biggest badasses out here and we'll all get rich together. If we do our right things, like I bet there, I bet if you were to, and I don't know, man, this is me speculating, but I were to guess if I were to guess about the culture at that place, Everyone is in alignment when, you, cause you're that small, you can maintain culture. How the hell do you maintain culture with 4,000 people? Well, you don't. And, and like, um, Brian Armstrong went on what podcast was it? He went on Jason. What's his last name? Count Kalanis, Kalanakis, something like that. He's uh, one of, one know. of the four from all in, um, early investor in Uber has a podcast called, um, something in startups this week in startups, he went on and talked about sort of the culture problem. Um, and we could cover this in another episode when we do our crypto history, but, uh, Brian basically said like the, the culture here like sucks. We're not going to talk about politics anymore. No more like woke chat in Slack. And if you don't like it, here's, I think a two month severance, like leave. Yeah. You, you have to, it gets to be 3000 people. And it's like, I, we lost control. Yeah. I know somebody that works in human resources at Coinbase or at least used to, um, he was thinking about moving on but yeah it, it's been interesting to hear from the inside i mean obviously it's a very small subset but hr is employee facing so yep. you deal with that stuff every day uh anyway really good stuff alan i'm glad we uh did this uh i liked it so much we did it twice okay? That's, <laughs> did do it uh, twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh i gotta rename the podcast here all right uh well thank you everybody this has been episode five let me hit our outro and we'll be back next week possibly with another host uh, again back to back to three hopefully everything's okay with joel but uh, we'll hit the outro here. Alan, have a good remainder of your week, buddy. Thanks, man. You too. Thank you. Take care, everybody. Crypto Parabellum Podcast. Follow us on YouTube. We need that. We're at like 60 followers. 
We got to get to 100 so I can claim the URL, the URL. Uh, so follow us on YouTube. We'll post that link later. Take care, everybody.